If the NFL were to do an expansion draft and the Chargers could only protect 10 players, which players would they choose? It's Fan Mail Friday, and we're getting into it on today's Locked On Chargers podcast. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, but we're heading into our fifth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen. And to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. And you know what it is. It's Fan Mail Friday, and we're starting with a great question that we got about who we would protect if we could only protect 10 Chargers players. But we're also going to be talking about what is considered a success for the Chargers. Is one playoff win a success with this loaded roster right now? We think not, but we have a lot more to get into, including who's going to have a better season, Josh Palmer or Gerald Everett, and much more. But David, it starts with a very, very hard decision, and that is trying to come up with 10 players and only 10 players that we can protect from this Chargers roster. And we ended up getting the question from Ren Dog, and he asked, I have a scenario, let's say there's an expansion teams being added. You're allowed to keep 10 players. The others have a chance to get picked up to go to other teams. Which 10 players would you keep with the roster as it is right now? So, David... Let's go top five here first. Where are you going with your top five? Yeah, I mean, this was very, very difficult. Just, uh, I mean, but I think when I was creating my list, I was really trying to figure out what are the core things that I need my football players to be doing in order for me to have success winning football games in the NFL. So my top five are as follows. Justin Herbert, obviously no surprise there. (laughs) Darwin James, Rashawn (laughs) Slater, Joey Bosa, and Austin Eckler. That's my oh. one through five. Wow. Okay. I did not. I had a very hard time with Austin Eckler. And if I was or not going to put him on this list, you'll see if I do or not. Our top fives are almost the same. Uh, I have the same top four in a different order. Justin Herbert, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Rashawn Slater. With Slater and Bosa, I honestly could have gone either way. Because that's the interesting thing with this team that we were talking about, David, is Not only are you trying to protect players and you want to get good contracts and things like that and young players so you can keep going in this scenario, you also have the pressure of trying to win right now and trying to keep this roster as we see it most intact, right? And it's hard to say that Austin Eckler wouldn't be on that list. But like with Rashawn Slater and Joey Bosa, that's just like, I mean, both of those guys are so great. We've only seen it from Rashawn Slater for one season, but He's also on a rookie contract and to have that dude playing at that level on that contract, like it's the best of both worlds. He helps you right now and he helps you long term. Yeah. And like he's protecting your most valuable asset, which is your quarterback and Charger fans. You should know how incredibly difficult it is to find a franchise left tackle. That's why for me, it really wasn't much of a decision. We were definitely keeping Rashawn Slater. And then on the other side of the token, You got to protect the quarterback, and then on defense, what do you got to do? You got to go get after the quarterback. So that's why Joey Bosa is also in my top five. I mean, that those are just core things that you have to do in order to be successful in the NFL. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why my number five was J.C. Jackson, just because I think you know when you look at the most valuable things, like I have a little bit of all of it. I mean, Derwin James, 
safety is not a super valuable position, but what that dude does at safety is very, very valuable, especially for the Chargers defense. But quarterback, edge rusher, corner, and then a left tackle. I have all those things still. Thankfully, they didn't get to go away. But let's get into the 6 through 10 range. David, where did you go when you were rounding out the top 10? Because this is where things got hard. The top five, that's all easy. All those guys, great arguments for. Nobody's going to get upset about those, I don't think. Maybe Austin Eckler at five, but, I mean, he's making the list for you either way. It's just where he's making it. Where are you going six through ten? Yeah, I mean, just uh, real quick for Austin Eckler, it's just because not only can he run the football at a high level, but he's also a phenomenal receiver as well. So if you want to use him as a running back or as a slot receiver, I think he can do both of those jobs. When he scored 20 touchdowns last year. How about yeah, that? <laughs> 20. Yeah. 12 and eight. As I the think split. he like creates probably like four or five touchdowns a season, right? Just like yeah. touchdowns where you don't think somebody else would have gotten it in that same scenario. It seems like that he was able to do at least that last year. That's exactly right. And so as far as six through 10 is concerned, obviously JC Jackson was not going to be too far away. So he's my number six. Number seven, it's Keenan Allen. Anytime you need a first down, he's going to give me a first down. So that's very valuable. Then it's Asante Samuel Jr., uh, up and coming young corner that I feel like has all the talent, all the intangibles, all the intelligence to have a very successful NFL career. Number nine is Khalil Mack. Because, again, you got to get after the quarterback. And this guy is a phenomenal run stuffer. He's one of the most complete players in the NFL when healthy. My number 10 was Sebastian Joseph Day because of his ability to stop the run. And the Chargers had such a hard time finding guys that can repeatedly stop the run. He is one of those guys for me. That's why I had to keep him. And that was a very, very tough decision to round out my top 10. Yeah, because that means, what, you don't have Mike Williams, right? He doesn't make the top 10 in this scenario. And you don't have my number eight, which is Corey Lindsley. So I have six Keenan Allen, seven Coolio Mack, eight Corey Lindsley, nine Austin Eckler. So he does make my top 10. I still just think he's that valuable. And is it's also a depth chart situation, right? Because if you don't have him, then it's Isaiah Spiller, Josh Kelly, Larry Roundtree, and a couple of undrafted free agents. So that also plays a factor in it. But I went with Corey Lindsley, even with the contract, right? Disregarding the contract, I guess. But, like, not just because of how good of a blocker is. One of the best centers, if not the best center in the NFL right now. The other part of it is what he does from an intellectual standpoint and how much he helps Justin Herbert, making the checks, trying to alert him where guys are blitzing from so he can make the right calls once he gets the ball in his hand. So I'm keeping two-fifths of the Chargers offensive line, probably their two most important offensive linemen, with Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater. Mike Williams was tough, though. I'm not going to lie. I almost left him off my top 10, too. And the couple of guys I have on the outside looking in, David Asante Samuel Jr. and Sebastian Joseph Day. So it's not like we were that far off right there. And I do think because we know what having a terrible run defense does for you, right, and and how it hinders you. And with Mike Williams, I think the argument for that would just be like, okay, well, if they take Mike Williams, right, if they can only take one player kind of thing, if they take Mike Williams, you're still feeling okay about your receiving core, led by Keenan Allen with Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton, who's gotten better every season. So I just think that I, I I totally understand it. And then my other one on the outside looking in is Zion Johnson. But who did you? It was I mean, was it Mike Williams? Is it Corey Lindsay? Are these the guys that were the tough cuts for you? It absolutely. I mean, for Corey Lindsay, like I, I absolutely wanted to keep him on my list, but I was looking at youth and I was looking at positions of extreme value, and that's why I was and and not to say that the center position isn't very valuable valuable, and we've seen how important he's been for the hmm. development and growth of Justin Herbert there, See taking Dan some stuff yeah. off his plate. Yeah, Dan Feeney. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but the Chargers' offense definitely very very valuable with a great center, but 
I had to keep that. That's why it was so hard. And then for Mike Williams, he's such a playmaker, you know, big play guy, always value, definitely there available for the chargers. Uh, you know, a heart and soul guy, I got a good glue guy for the offense, but that's, that's why it was such a hard decision for me to, yeah. to leave those guys off the list. But that's why, you know, look at my list. It's guys that, you know, throw the football, protect the guy throwing the football, take the football away and stop in the run. I mean, that's just all of those things I had to have on my list. But man, this thank God we're not the GMs here, Daniel. <laughs> some really difficult decisions. No, thank God there's no expansion draft. We don't need <laughs> that right now. 32 no. is, is plenty. I'm good with that. Asante Samuel Jr. was probably my next one up, uh, even though I love Sebastian Joseph Day. And then with Zion Johnson's like, I can't just let somebody take their first round pick. Zion Johnson is so good. Like, but you haven't seen him play at this point. So like came down to one of those things. Maybe swap him, swap him out for Corey Lindsay, because I do think he could probably play center eventually if he wanted to, too because he's that kind of player. But I don't think there's many players other than Dan Feeney that I wanted to be good that just didn't end up being very good. See, I mean, yeah, Lamp was another one. I no, mean, but I, like as far as the mullet. Oh, yeah. The rock and the sweet yeah. mustache. Like he yeah. had all those things. Like he, he had, had the these... personality too. Like it seemed like totally. a dude that had a lot of fun that you yeah, wanted like Forrest to Forrest Lane was for. more quiet. Like I thought Forrest Lane would be better, but like yeah. Dan Feeney, I mean, he was supposed to be pretty good coming out of Indiana, but like, the mullet, the mustache, like he had all the all the pieces, right? Yeah. Except for the playing good part of it. Unfortunately <laughs> for him, at least in his time with the Chargers, and he got better, but it just wasn't sure. good enough. And just sad, it's sad, it's sad. But he got another opportunity with the Jets. Hopefully, he can make it work out. But we do have many more great fan meal Friday questions that we have to get into, including what counts as a successful season for the Chargers. We talked about a little bit last week, you know, if the team is too hyped and kind of where their hype level is. We'll also talk about what would the Chargers do if they wanted to continue running the same offense, but they do eventually lose offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi. And I would say, David, no matter what, you're still going to have Brandon Staley going for it. And the one thing is, is they said this offense is built around Justin Herbert, and I'm always willing to bet on that. But the only place to place your bets is betonline.net. They have the funnest ways to bet, first of all. I love props. I love all of those things. Live in-game betting has saved me a million times. I also love that. But the great thing is, too, is like I love baseball in its own way, but baseball with something on it is a lot better. And especially during this dead time of the big sports seasons with basketball over NHL over football, obviously isn't back yet. It makes all the other sports better. And if you're into it, UFC this weekend, two championship fights. I know I'm going to be going to bet online for that, for sure. Betting on knockouts, finishes, if they're going to finish the fights. And you could even go eSports. You can go your favorite Vegas casino games. Anything that you want to find, you can find at betonline.net. Make sure you guys use your phone or go to the website to check out all of the latest trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, David, let's continue this Fan Mail Friday with another one here. This is from Lewis Benjamin, who, long-time question, question asker. We love you and appreciate you, Lewis Benjamin. But he asks, I think probably if not many Chargers fans have, which is, are you a tad anxious as our team looks so stacked that it'll be hard to live up to expectations? Like, one playoff win would be a letdown. So, I mean, yes. I mean, if you're a Chargers fan, you're anxious always. And the... the the higher the hype gets, <laughs> right, the more anxious you are about it because they have perennially been the team that doesn't live up to the hype. But it made me think of the question, David, like, what is considered success? Like, obviously, if you don't win the Super Bowl, there's a certain level of failure to it. But, like, I don't think that winning a Super Bowl is necessary 
to be like, okay, this team's going in the right direction. They didn't waste what they had in front of them, right? The roster that they have right now. So what do you think is a success, David? What has to happen this year for you to not feel like it's a giant letdown for the Chargers? Yeah, the Chargers have always had hype around the team, the organization. They've always been a sexy pick. They've always been a team that's had a lot of skill, position, top-end talent. But what separates those teams from this team, in my opinion, is the depth. And that's why, for me, the Chargers finally have legitimate depth this year. So anything less than an appearance in the AFC Championship game, to me, is an unmitigated failure. The amount of talent and the amount of depth that is present on this football team, to me, feels like it warrants a trip to the AFC Championship game. Right. And and that's win or lose, right? So, like, if the Chargers lose in the AFC Championship game, it's obviously hugely devastating because you got there and you were so close and, you know, had a chance to potentially go and try to do something that you've never done as a franchise, and that's win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean... And the thing is, the path to get there can change, right? Because it's like, hey, if you're a number one seed, you only have to win two games and you're right there, right? And you're you're right in it. So I think that's doable for this Chargers roster as it's constituted and as we're seeing it with everyone healthy and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I think if you go in there, I think if you win one playoff game, as you've done the last two times you've been in the playoffs in 2018 and 2013, how is that any different? How is that a significant step forward? For Justin Herbert, yes, of course, valuable experience, yada, yada, yada. But this team isn't built for get some experience, take your lumps, and then, you know, figure it out later on. This team is built for, hey, go win the championship right now. So, yes. like, going to the Super Bowl, I mean, even the AFC's championship game, there would still be huge disappointment, but I don't think it's a total letdown. But, like, it feels like you should be a Super Bowl team. And, and if you make it out of the AFC, anything can happen because it's such a loaded conference, obviously. But it'll be very interesting to see because this team has so much hype. The expectations are so high. And even with a second-year head coach and a third-year quarterback, it feels like they have to make major, major pro- you know, progress towards winning a Super Bowl. And I think anything less than the AFC championship game falls short of that. But let's go to an Instagram question we had from Andrew who asked, if Joe Lombardi leaves for a head coach position after the 2022 season, is it possible for the team to keep the same playbook to help Justin Herbert continue to master it and develop? Usually a new offensive coordinators are hired and would want to bring in their own playbook, but could be the offseason hiring of Tom Arthas past game specialist imply that he may take over as OC when Joe Lombardi leaves. I think he could be hired now to learn and master the playbook. So if he is asked to take over, it'll be fluent and the playbook will look very similar. Shane Day, their quarterback coach, could also be an option to take over, but he'll probably get several job offers as well. Big fan of the show from Montreal. Appreciate you. Love getting, you know, out of country listeners. We have so many of them. It blows my mind every time. But Except David, definitely. how how do you think about that? When you because I mean Joe Lombardi had a head coaching opportunity, you know, an interview at least this offseason. What happens after that? Yeah, I mean, definitely, hey, for Joe Lombardi, obviously, you know, with him working with Justin Herbert and the Chargers having a type top five offense last year, that was going to bring him some notoriety. And we knew this. We knew this all along that Justin Herbert was going to be a guy that was going to get guys jobs. That was going to get coaches jobs. That's that's just going to happen. So I feel like the next logical person to step up in that situation is Shane Day. I mean, the, the quarterback's coach. That's normally the the normal maturation process for the for the coaches as far as you know the next level. And then, yeah, Tom Arthur, I think, is a, an underrated type of name there, a guy who is very, very familiar with Brandon Staley, and they're very close. But I think that would be one hell of a jump to go yeah. from pass yeah. game specialist 
all the way to offensive coordinator. I, I don't think that that's a move that's going to happen. But one thing that you have to remember is one thing that Brandon Staley said, and that it's that Justin Herbert is the offense. He wants Justin Herbert to be yeah. the offense. So as far as the offense going anywhere, when Joe Lombardi leaves, I don't think you have to worry about that as much because the focal point of the offense is your <clears> quarterback, <throat> Justin Herbert. Yeah, and that's one of the things that makes you feel better about it because you've in Brandon Staley obviously being a former quarterback, right? That that's another thing is it's like he has his toes dipped in that water. I would say as well. How much we don't really know, but I do think that the logical guy is Shane Day. Now, if it happens at the same time, right? You lose Joe Lombardi, and Joe Lombardi wants to make Shane Day his offensive coordinator. <laughs> Maybe that happens. I think if Shane Day were to leave or Joe Lombardi were to leave. I think the first thing they would do is promote Shane Day. Like, I think it's like, hey, we're not going to let this guy go. And, and Joe might call his own plays if he is a head coach. 100%. And wherever yeah. Joe goes isn't going to have Justin Herbert at quarterback. So it's going to nope. be harder for Shane Day to take that next step to be a head coach, which is what the ultimate goal for all these guys is. Yeah. If he's playing for a worst offense and doesn't have, you know, Justin Herbert and is going to a team who obviously just fired their head coach if Joe Lombardi is taking over. So I think that's a big part of it. And I think the other thing is with like Tom Marth, for example, I mean, I don't think they're going to have that jump. Maybe he moves up to quarterbacks coach. I think that's probably the next most logical thing. But you also have to think about this, David. I mean, Frank Smith left to be an offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. To not even call plays. Right. But the Chargers didn't promote Sean Sarah to be their offensive line coach. No, did they, they did not. They no. didn't. No, they brought in Brendan Nugent, right? And they and they went outside for that hire. They could have easily done it with Sean Surratt. They didn't. That's the one example. I think it is a little bit different on the offensive side. But that's the only time we've seen it so far, right? And so we haven't really seen how Brandon Staley is going to handle these things yet, which makes it interesting. But let's go to the Red Dog 88 from Twitter who asks, you guys think we continue the fourth down aggression? I love it. Even when it fails, just love that mindset. Favorite was the fourth down touchdown against the Bengals. David, how are you feeling about this one? I mean, do you think there's any chance Brandon Staley goes for it less in 2022? I do. Yeah, I do think that he will go for it a little bit less in 2022. And the reason for that is because he's probably going to have a lot more faith in his defense. Mm. And I think last year, you know, the, the Chargers defense was what it was, and which was one of the worst in the league. And, and I think Brandon Staley knew that now he has guys all over his defense that understand his defense and can go out there and execute what he is asking them to do. So I yeah. think he's going to have a lot more faith in their ability to get stops. And therefore, you might not see them be as aggressive as they were before. I do think that that is a mentality that Brandon Staley has, and he always wants to wants to be aggressive, but he also is an analytical guy as well. So he's going to weigh those decisions with his gut and the analytics so he can make the best decision. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen often, but I totally disagree. I mean, I think we're going to see it just as much, maybe okay. even more because he has a better defense if they don't get the job done right. But the one thing is, is already we've seen him be the most aggressive coach in the NFL. According to Football <laughs> Outsiders, he yeah. ranked as the most aggressive coach last season. And he's not getting it from anyone because Vic Fangio was one of the least aggressive coaches as a head coach. Sean McVay ranked 28th last year in aggressiveness amongst coaches. So he's not getting it from anybody else. And going back to what Brandon Staley said, we want to talk about that. It's not about the defense. It's about Justin Herbert. And it's about putting the ball in his hands with the chance to get a big play, right? Like that. If you have a fourth down, you're putting the ball in Justin Herbert's hands. And I think that has way more to do with it than anything else. And it worked. I mean, they got pretty good results. I mean, obviously, the last game of the season, it doesn't end up working out one time, and then they do it like seven straight times to come back and tie that game and send it yeah, to overtime. <laughs> so I don't think Brand Staley's changing any time soon, and I'm glad that he's not. I love it. When it doesn't work, when it does work, I love it either way. I love, I love it, it too. 
And he is an analytical guy. And most often, the analytics are telling you to go for it in a lot of these situations. The difference with Brandon Staley and everyone else is he's going for it on fourth and fives and fourth and yeah. sevens and fourth yeah. and tens. And it's not True. always with three minutes left in the fourth quarter when they have to do it. He's doing it even in the third quarter at times aggressively because that's just the kind of dude he is. And I love it. But we do have more female Friday questions to get into, including will the offense score the most points in the league or is it more likely that the Chargers take away the ball most in the league? We're going to get into that. And if Cam Newton could be a guy to bring in for very one very specific reason, we're going to get into that coming up right after this. All right, let's continue this fan mail Friday with one of my favorite Twitter handles, Tom Telesco's Burner. What's up, Tom? Thanks for uh, chiming in on the show today. He asked, what do you guys think is more likely, us leading the league in turnovers or leading the league in offensive points scored? And I'm taking the turnovers part of it as taking the ball away because I don't think he's yeah. asking, you know, are the Chargers going to turn it over the most because Justin Herbert had the lowest amount of turnover-worthy throws last season, even with the 15 interceptions. And they were much better with ball security fumbles-wise last season. So I don't think that there's a chance that happens. But the other one's kind of tough, right? Because the Chargers last season were 18th in takeaways. They had 21 of them, right? That was 13 behind the league lead in the NFL, but obviously 17 spots behind it, right, in the grand scheme of things. And last season, the Chargers were fifth in points per game scored by their offense, behind only Dallas, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, and Kansas City. So and David, third in total points, too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, points per game and total points would be the same at the end of a season. But if you're not including the playoffs, it'd be fifth. So where would you go with this? I mean, the offense didn't add a lot, but they have obviously much less room to go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's why I do think that the, the defense is going to be much better than, you know, 17th, 18th in the league with the arrivals of, uh, you know, J.C. Jackson and his 17 interceptions and yeah. in the last two seasons and Khalil Mack and his ability to strip sack the quarterback. Him and Joey Bosa are and two of the best bad throws strip too, sack artists in the business. And obviously they're going to get pressure on the quarterback and make them throw some errant throws, you know, throw some duck snorts up there to get intercepted. So I definitely feel like they are going to improve drastically. I think they, uh, I think we'll see them in the top 10 as far as takeaways is concerned, but I feel like the offense is right there and they got a little bit better. They added Gerald Everett. They added Zion Johnson to hopefully improve the offensive line. And you got Justin Herbert going into another year of an offense that he is a lot more comfortable with yep. and a lot more confident to go out there and execute. So I think it's going to be the offense. Yeah, I think that's the more logical one here. I mean, takeaways are kind of one of those things, too, that can be a little fluky. And I think the Chargers probably got more forced fumbles last year, and that is something that can regress, right, to the mean a little bit. But there was yeah. obviously much more of a focus put on it, which is great. And, I mean, there was still, you know, the Drew Lock fumble first down. There was quite a few they didn't uh, weren't able to jump on top of, and that's another kind yeah, of Yeah, 23 fumbles, thing. only 10 of them were recovered. So that's definitely right. a number that needs to improve next year for the Chargers if they want to get where they want to be as far as takeaways is concerned. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, I think it could be a giant leap, and it should be a yeah. giant leap from where they were last season, and they should have been much better last season. But, like, you were also, you know, Derwin James had two picks last year. I think that'll right. go up. But, like, mm. Nazir Adderley has one career interception and zero last season, right? Sonny yeah. Samuel Jr., two picks. Michael Davis, that's never really been what he's been known for, right? Neither with Bryce Callahan either. So, like, you're asking a group to come up with a lot more and you're not really expecting many out of the linebackers or the defensive linemen either. But right. I do think it is even with 
the offense not adding too much, right? They added Gerald Everett. That's a nice thing. They kept the offensive line together, the best parts of it at the very least. And mm-hmm. even with Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins, you're hoping to at least get some improvement at yes. that position. Isn't that much more to ask? But I do think that the other thing is, is the defense being that much better is going to give Justin Herbert more possessions offensively. And yeah. that's a great thing to have, right? Because you had so many teams just running the ball, running the clock out, keeping Justin Herbert on the sidelines. That's going to happen a lot less. And I do think with the increased amount of turnovers, the Chargers are going to be put in better situations to easily score. Put up in, you know, the field position game, I think they're going to be a lot better. And special teams-wise, being, you know, the 28th team in the league last season, even though they got better down the season, all that field position, all that stuff matters. And if that stuff's better, it should all help the Chargers offense, which I think even though they didn't add a, you know, Tyreek Hill or some huge splash offensive player, I do think they, they could be better, and they were already right there anyways. So I do think that is a possibility in the more likely of these two scenarios. Let's go to Alvin on Twitter this time. And Alvin asks, what if the Chargers bring in Cam Newton on a one-year deal for red zone and short yardage situations? Your thoughts, David? Yeah, I mean, why do you want to take the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands in the That's red zone? That's number one. That's just the biggest thing for me. I mean, I don't know why you want to take Herbert off the field and then give the ball to Cam Newton for him to do what he does. And hey, Cam Newton is a phenomenal athlete, but also Cam Newton has slowed down tremendously the last yeah. couple of years. He's not the same quarterback or the same player that he was when he was with Carolina and he was tearing up the league. It's just, it's just not the same Cam Newton. And the Chargers, frankly, don't really have a roster spot for him right now. I well, mean, it'd be in place of probably like a Chase Daniel, I would think, or something like that. I mean, you yeah. only had him keeping two quarterbacks, but like Chase, if they kept three like they did last year, maybe, you know. Yeah, Chase Daniel's the confidant for, for Justin Herbert, a sounding board, a guy he's going to bounce ideas off of, so I don't think he's going to go anywhere, which is another reason why I don't think Cam Newton is a proper fit for the Chargers. Yeah, and like from a standpoint of like, hey, Getting like those QB draws and stuff like that in the red zone and stuff would obviously be nice because you're not having Justin Herbert take those hits. But like Cam Newton throwing the football is not great, right? Less than a 40 QBR for three seasons straight. Had some flashes and some fun moments with Carolina last year coming in and saving them in a game. Still didn't win a game as a starter in Carolina. And I think if he gave you a significant better chance, and maybe he does give you a better chance than Chase Daniel, right? If you had to come in, and win a game in the middle of the season. It's not like Chase Daniels a world beat or anything, but with the Chase Daniels, you know, influence on Justin Herbert and knowing this offense, you think that probably gives him an edge. When Cam Newton at this point isn't a huge upgrade, it's still an upgrade if you had to go into a game, but it would have to change your entire offense. And this offense isn't built for that. This offense with Joe Lombardi is built more for precision. And we've seen that frustratingly at times. So I think the yeah. biggest thing is you don't want to take Justin Herbert on the field, like off the field because Cam Newton could come in, but like, unless he's, running the football which everyone would assume he's going to do if he's throwing it down there i'm just not willing to take the chance that he's going to a throw an interception and even when running it he had five rushing touchdowns last year but he also had four fumbles mm-hmm. so what what you're rolling the dice a little bit either way so that's why i wouldn't be in favor of it i just don't think it really makes sense with what the Chargers offense wants to do because they're not the patriots where they can just decide hey we're just going double titans we're just going to pound the ball down your throat that's just not what's the chargers offense or their dna but we have another one here from benjamin sanchez that I want to get to. And he asked, who do you think will lead in yards and touchdowns, Gerald Everett or Josh Palmer? My guess, Everett, I see him hitting 650-plus yards and six touchdowns. Do you agree, David? I think it with this one, it just comes down to who's going to have more opportunities and who's higher on the food chain as far as their position is concerned. And unfortunately for Josh Palmer, he's at best third in line. So he's going to get the third 
you know, amount of targets there behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And for tight end, Gerald Everett, he's the number one tight end. As far as we know, he's going to be the number one guy. He's probably going to get the lion's share of those targets. So I just don't think it's really a fair conversation. So I think it's pretty easy for me to assume that Gerald Everett is going to be the one to have the superior numbers. And you have to look at what happened last year, right? Jared Cook, because that's the one thing where it's like we're assuming Tons he's taking a, a lot of those targets. And Jared Cook had 83 targets last year. Josh Palmer had 49 targets last year. So yeah, I could see Josh Palmer getting more like and, and what changes this conversation totally is like if Mike or Keenan goes down or each of them go down for two or three oh, yeah. at some point, then it's probably Josh Palmer because yeah. I do think he could step in and, and, and fill that role and do it successfully. Right. As he showed last season. year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but he was never asked to, I mean, a little bit late in the season, like a game or two, but like. Yeah, not for like two or three or four not games Not to hold row, it right? down as wide receiver two, right? right? But like, I right. do think he does some certain things that each Keenan Allen and Mike Williams do well. And like efficiency wise, he was probably their best contested catch guy, even over Mike Williams, as far yep. as he didn't drop any balls. And he also made a lot of really, really tough catches, including in that last game in fourth and 21. That Patriots game over Jalen Mills was nuts. Crazy. Like that was a, a crazy <laughs> play that, then, but like. Even if you took Guyton snaps, right? Guyton had 48. Palmer had 49. That's 97 targets. But, like, can Palmer eat into Guyton's snaps that much? Eat into Guyton's targets that much? I don't know if he's making up, you know, that 25 target difference. But it also wouldn't be crazy or, I think, totally out of whack, David, for him to have more touchdowns than Gerald Everett. I like Gerald Everett, but when it's Gerald Everett and you're tied in in the red zone, you're competing with, you know, Donald Parham. Yeah. If you're Josh Palmer, you're competing with Mike Williams, too, who's another good option. But Gerald Everett hasn't been ever known for touchdowns. He's never had more than four in one season. And Josh Palmer had four last year, right, as a rookie with those limited targets. So I could definitely see Josh Palmer leading those two in, tar- or in touchdowns, but I think yards, it's always going to go to the other guy. I mean, it just he's just – Gerald Everett should be getting way more targets, you would think with how the Chargers used the offense. And, like, let's not forget, too, Austin Eckler had 90 targets, right? Yeah, yeah. Both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams had 120-plus. Then it was Austin Eckler at 90. Then it was Jared Cook. So, like, he was Uh the fifth most targeted guy Josh Palmer was last season. Can he make up that gap? I think he's in for a good season. But if everyone stays healthy and he is that third guy and they still want to get Jalen Guyton on the field for speed purposes, I think I would go Gerald Everett in that situation. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you for everyone reaching out on Fan Mail Friday. We did get some questions late. I apologize for all the questions we couldn't get to. But you can always find us every Thursday. We're putting out multiple times a day for your questions at Lockdown LAC. You can always call into the Lockdown Charge voicemail line at 323-524-7924 to make sure you guys can get your voicemails and your questions on today's show. But Overall, it's the off season. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. And thank you guys always for making us your first listen. If you guys need a second listen, make sure you guys check out the Locked On NFL podcast, especially when things are slow as they are right now. You can find out what's going on around the league and get your football any way you can. And they always keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories going on throughout the league. You can find it wherever you get your podcast from. But make sure you guys are following this podcast wherever you get your podcast from as well. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Spotify or wherever. Make sure to follow and rate and review if you like the show. We always really appreciate it. It helps us keep things going. You can also subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel. A lot of fun stuff. And we have a lot of fun. And David makes a lot of faces when you're watching the videos. So it's definitely worth it just to tune in for that. But I do appreciate you guys checking out the show today. We will be back with you guys next week with the Chargers Ultimate Defensive Team. We did Phillip Rivers versus Justin Herbert this week. Next week, it's trying to decide on the defense. Where I think there's going to be way, way more tough decisions but imagine joey bosa and sean merriman on the same field right 
Eric Weddle and Derwin James. Like there's a lot of different ways we could go with them. We're excited to do it, but we will back with you guys next week. Until then, take it easy and go Bulls.